Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park co-host luke reed luke reed how you doing luke reed excellent adam excellent great weekend full what, of full of fun activities what'd you do this weekend uh uh some skateboarding some uh some staring off in the space on my porch it sounds like fun man did you, <laughs> did, you did you did you expand your pineal gland i decalcified it a little bit i, I think i'm making progress all right awesome So, Luke, yes. I heard that you watched a certain film this weekend. Can you tell me about it? Act of Valor. It inspired me. What is Act of Valor about? It's about a bunch of Navy SEALs who um, get together to take down an operation for contraband and terrorism with jihads and their, their bullet vests. And they're going to cause mass panic in America and the heroes save the day. Isn't that the uh, movie that has actual real Navy SEALs in real it? Real Navy SEALs. Wow. And uh, did you make you feel like you wanted to go uh, join the, the Navy SEALs? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm ready to go do some shooting right now. I'm, just, I'm amped. I'm still amped from yesterday. You didn't think in any way that that might have been like a propaganda movie or anything? Absolutely to not. Join the, no. Because uh, who were the bad guys in it? In uh, the, movie? the Jihads. The jihads? Were they actually <laughs> called the jihads in the movie? Yes. Wow. And uh, what were the jihads doing? They were uh, purchasing vests that had ball bearing, explosive ball bearings in them, and they planned an attack on America in several different places to cause pandemonium and fear. They, were they going to blow all the gas stations up at the same time in the movie? <laughs> uh, that would have been more interesting. Yeah, more interesting plot shift there. You know, that was one thing I heard uh, a long time ago on uh, quote-unquote conservative talk radio was that uh, all the uh, Muslims, that they all owned gas stations, and they were all going to blow them up all at the same time. Even though they're Indians. mass chaos. Even though most are Indians. Yeah, but that's, you know, that's besides the point. <laughs> I mean, what, what do we know about geography and culture? You they know? all look the same. So, anyway, Luke, I understand that you brought a our guest in. Yes, very special guest today. Uh, I'm just going to call him Trav. <laughs> I'm going to leave the last name undisclosed. And I believe that uh, Trav is uh, 
Travis is uh, related to you. Yes, that's my brother. The better looking brother. Uh, <laughs> your bro. Yeah. Your real bro. <laughs> that's debatable. Bro. It's good know. to be with you guys today. Well, Travis, uh, tell us about yourself and uh, what, I'm just, uh, what uh, you believe, and uh, we'll go from there. Just a normal guy. Just do the normal stuff. Go to work. Nine to five. Nine to five. Come home. But I'm interested in a range of topics. You know, just a lot. I read a lot about language and philosophy, uh, dreams, uh, things like that. Ancient civilizations. Uh, I like to read a lot about physics and uh, things like that. A multitude of topics. Multitude of topics. Occultism. Range of things. Can so, you can you tell us uh, what started you down, kind of like getting into all those different kind of those I, things? How you like grew up and such? I did. Yeah. Well, I used to go out a lot and kind of just waste my time, you know. And uh, I came to a point where I I felt like I needed a deeper understanding of things, and uh, I found a, a coming across a few things, you know, that kind of uh, stirred my interest. Like I think one of the first was uh, Zechariah Zitchin, uh, his okay. books. Yeah, I was interested in them for a while and got into that uh, kind of stuff about you, you ancient told me cultures. Jim Morrison too. Yeah, I, I really like Jim Morrison. He, um, you know, all the things he sings about his lyrics uh, really spoke to me, and uh, I was interested in things. I, I read a lot of books he read, you know, uh, like Nitsky and uh, different, may, may, mainly for uh, philosophers and stuff like that. Okay, well. Yeah, so um, how did that lead you into um, like Eastern I, philosophy and such? I just went through the range of things. Yeah. Basically, what I was searching out is immortality, how to have superpowers and all sorts of stuff like that. You know, That's what I'm after. Uh, there's a movie, talk about movies that just uh, just come out, I think, on DVD about a month ago. It's called Chronicles, and it's, got, it's about some kids that yeah, have that these superpowers, you know, and, I think that really is possible. You think the superpowers, like like physical superpowers, are possible? I do. Like, how is that like possible? Well, that's a long subject. <laughs> well, let's, we got some time, so let's go. Yeah, plenty of let's time. Let's go into it. Well, it um, take us down the road. It's been hole, my man. experience that the the things that are the most familiar to us are the things we ignore the most, and they're actually the most important things, uh, most of which is language and dreams. Uh, there's two sides to everybody. Uh, you know, there are in, inner and the outer. Uh, the, the inner being deals with dreams, and the outer being deals with you know outside things. And how we understand all those outside things is through language. So that's how I, I kind of differentiate the two. And there's always this interaction between the two, uh, and we don't understand it. The reason we don't understand it is because of language. That language is as we as we have it now is limiting in a way. It limits your mind. Uh, there's a, a philosopher uh, wrote about uh, linguistics, uh, or actually two of them. They call it the Saphir Whorf hypothesis. And basically, what that is is that uh, you speak the same language you think, and you think the same language you speak. It's there's no difference between thoughts and language. Uh, language determines what you think. I mean, there's no escaping it. You can't, you know, there's no way out of it. It's a continuum. The more you think, the more it replicates itself. There's, uh, you can't think yourself 
out of it. And all the, uh, you know, the great uh, the yogis and the Eastern philosophers, they tell you, you know, basically you've got to stop thinking. And that's the purpose of meditation, to reach higher states of consciousness. So like uh, breaking down a lifetime of being conditioned by language and associating these words with what we see, uh, a reversal of that. Exactly. We think we're advancing, we read all this stuff, but basically what you're doing is just complicating things. Uh, it's, uh, there's a, a system called Evasia, and basically it, it, the purpose of this system is just to forget crap, just to forget everything. And that can bring you back to the pure point. Right. Before, but to really understand all this, you have to really start at the beginning, you know. And basically, our understanding that most people is, you know, the Bible and Genesis, when it talks about uh, language, how uh, it's given to man by the gods. They they saw men. They were uh, nothing that they tried to do was impossible for them. They, they didn't have a language prior to this. You know, are you familiar with them? Yes. And they, they come down and, and saw that they would become like gods if they did not confound them with language. And so they basically put language on men so that they couldn't understand one another, so that they could advance to the level of gods. That, that's my This is the Tower of Babel story. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we, we know that, like most of the, uh, the stories, early stories of the Old Testament, they were taken from earlier sources, uh, mainly Sumerian. And uh, the Sumerian story, it, it, it paints it a little different. It's very similar, but they, uh, they basically say that language was a magic. It's like it was an incantation, a spell that you could put on someone, and it would take them out of the pure state and, and make them confused. And that's... That's where we're at today. Right. So what was the, uh, I guess, lack of a better term, the primeval language? What, that we don't know because mm. there's no way to know. There's, the only way we can understand it was with our current language. I mean, there's, you can't step outside of it. To unlearn language is basically you're talking about isolation and, and just, uh, who, you know, years of isolation. And Wouldn't the original language be telepathy? That's that's the thing. Uh, we don't know the the original language, but we do know that it it didn't involve you know speaking uh, and understanding things through concepts like we do today. We they they tend to think, and there's a a, a major uh, a philosopher about this. His uh, name's Julian James. He wrote a book called the uh, the breakdown, the origin of consciousness, and the breakdown of the bicameral mind. And in that book, he uh, basically states that. Uh, prior to people learning language, that they were schizophrenic, that they didn't understand themselves in terms of being a person, that they uh, their thoughts they thought that their th thoughts were coming from other people, other gods. As you know, when they heard thoughts in their head, they didn't think that that was their thoughts, and uh, like even uh, everything, their actions, like uh, they they said they come from a certain center, like. Uh, the friends of the news they had names for them and they would channel like whatever was from that center and they would um, ask the gods to put their strength in there until so that they could uh, achieve something and, and they had a completely different conception of themselves and, and it's really hard to stop and think what that would be like right. for us today to tell yourself that none of my thoughts or actions actually belong to me but are uh just being um translated 
right. to a higher being. Right. Well, see, nowadays uh, we think schizophrenics are, um, you know, diseased. But back then they were saints, you know, and priests. They were the people that uh, everyone looked up to for, you know, yeah, they were highly regarded as being somehow touched by the gods, at least in Greco-Roman, the classical age. Mm-hmm. They would have been regarded as being somehow uh, touched by the gods. Epileptics were the same, but there was somehow something special about them. Now, they've um, known for a long time it's not a disease. Yeah. Uh, but, of course, to say it's not a disease is a, a completely different direction than uh, all society is going. To say that language is the problem and that your thoughts aren't coming from yourself, um, that changes everything. I mean, there no, no, uh, the person, people's personality, we're not going to give that up. Uh, that's the difference between monotheism and polytheism. When, when you've look, don't think you're a person and you've got all these ideas that all this stuff that's happening to you is outside of yourself, and if you jump from that, to you're just one singular person. I mean, that's a complete change of perspective. I mean, it changes everything. Is that change good to you or bad? It's good for uh, uh, for people to develop physically for uh, technology, for outward things. But we we all know that that doesn't lead to happiness and. All these problems we face, there's never a solution to it because we're sure. always incomplete, missing that other part of ourselves we'll never understand because of that barrier of language. Um, you mentioned Sitchin's work. Um, how did that influence you, or is that something that you've kind of more well, kind of gone beyond Zitchin, now? Or? he, I, I tend to look at that. Because I have read him too. The, the earliest writings... I focus on those because I see them as the purest forms of um, of thought. Because if you, if like I said, if language is a problem, and as you advance with language, you get farther away from the purity from the original state. the The first things that come out, of the first writings, are the are the purest. Is the way I look at it. And when you look at what they say, according to Zitchin, which I can't understand, you know, Sumerian uh, in sure. cuneiform. But yeah. just taking for granted that Zechariah Zitchin knows what he's talking about, he says that um, the Anunnaki basically came to Earth and uh, uh, took um, uh, some sort of monkey of some sort and took and interbred that with uh, their own DNA and made man. So you would you would say that I mean you would say that the Anunnaki were physical beings. Uh, that's that's hard to say. That's up in the air. That's hard to say. I don't know for sure. Because if they were in a state of consciousness uh, where things that could uh, affect them, like from the dream world, you know, if they were more in tune to that other world, there's, it's hard to say if advanced beings of an advanced consciousness could not contact them from that other world and they could conceive them as being real. Once they pass too much into that spectrum, uh, they start to become less physical and more ethereal. Well, well, and Trans-dimensional beings. No right. An advanced being, uh, it's no stretch of the imagination to think that they could possess a human body. And hmm. so, in effect, uh, a god could take form in, in, a, in a person uh, and basically 
you know, instruct other people through a person, through possession. Um, A.K.A. shamanism. So, yeah, which I would say is probably the root of of at least polytheism, uh, possibly really what what is now really just called religion as a set of beliefs. But um, that is interesting that you say that. Uh, but there's there's that, that's the thing, though, and it's, it's hard to say. I, I do believe, though, that uh, beings have been here because, I mean, obviously, if. If, if they only possessed people, where would they come up with these crazy drawings of these insectoid-looking creatures and uh, all this stuff and the Sumerian uh, art that you see? It's it's, sure. it's really depictive of, of uh, bird-like creatures and uh, of things like that. I, it's hard to say because that's the thing about mythology. Um, you've got all these situations, uh, and people want to just say they're just a myth. But to these people, I, I really believe it was real to them. That they were actually seeing these things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you think would have been the me- that there's something maybe some other kind of genetic tampering that was going on at that's the time? That's quite possible. Or was yeah. this something that, that was influenced that, by uh, Zitchin drugs, talks possibly? about at length, I believe. It yeah. is, they were uh, kind of just um, experimenting with different DNA of animals to see what they could come up with. and. Um monkeys apes would definitely be the most suitable on a planet you know pre-humans to to construct further i just to develop i believe the sumerian account because the several things and their art it shows the planets all laid out way before uh what is his name galileo found them you know uh just so many things that you know it's hard to just say the sumerians were all just making these myths, and they didn't really mean something to them. If they built these temples to gods that didn't exist, yeah, I mean, supposedly they knew there, there was a lot more that that they probably knew about astronomy. A lot of ancient peoples knew so much more than we give them credit for. Yeah, and I don't know whether where that knowledge uh, would have come from. Exactly. But it is, it is interesting that you you bring that about the the transdimensional aspect of it. But these probably weren't well, physical I've, physical I've, uh, beings, which is where I fall on that. Yeah, I've been very interested in the dream world. Uh, I've, dream world? Yeah, I've been uh, lucid dreams, astral projection, that kind of thing. Just all around us, all the time, there's this other dimension. It, it doesn't ever, even though we wake up for it and go in this physical world, it's always there around us. And so it's, I, I, I really think there's other beings that can affect you through that dimension. And I believe that dimension's connected to other dimensions, and that it's it's vast. I, I don't know if you've heard um, our interview with Prime. I, but, told, uh, I told him a little bit about uh, it. It's uh, someone that we know, and he actually was here in the studio just like you are now, and um, he had a lot to say about what he does on the other, like he what he terms as the other side, quote Astral unquote. projection. Yeah. He Astral has a new projection. story pretty much every day. Yeah, like we were actually yeah. hearing it today. Yeah. About some other things. <laughs> what, what are the, some of the things that you've experienced uh, with your experiments? With My it? experience of the dream world is that it is a, a place where you can create whatever you want based on your ability to focus uh, and, and your, your will. Uh, your will affects it. Um, your current state of awareness, um, you know, your emotional state. Um, things that that may be pro- are problems in your life they 
they tend to take over your dreams. Uh, so you have to come to this really calm state to really affect the dream world. It's, it's a complex subject. I've sp I spent uh, several years um, taking a, um, you know, note of everything that occurred in my dreams and, and just basically learning what, what my own symbols were in my dreams, like metaphors. And so you see there's a certain way you can just understand things about yourself. Yeah. And there's that, often reoccurring symbolism in your exactly. dreams. Exactly. That kind of lays uh, groundwork uh, and to the, some well, kind The thing of point. is that everyone subconscious is always in the dream world, and we're all linked through that uh, medium. How, I don't know, but we're all linked, and that's the thing about remote viewing, as you can affect people uh, through this dream world. You can, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's another dimension of reality that everybody could be aware of if they knew how. Is that something that you've tried, remote viewing? Uh, I, it's difficult because it... Um, it, it takes a lot of training and dedication, just that one thing, but it's, uh, I'm really interested in it. Uh, talk about the time uh, floating out and going through the wall between astral. the bedrooms. Well, when you're, when you're in a lucid dream, uh, for me, it's been the easiest way to astral project. Uh, and, and from that uh, stage, you can, you can pretty much just choose what you want to do. Uh, you can, like, imagine something that will appear, or you can choose to uh, just kind of explore uh, your surroundings as you uh, know them physically and kind of, you know, float through walls and just look through things. But you have to understand that that's the thing about the dream world, that everything that you imagine, you're creating it. It's you. I mean, it's it's uh, a space where everything you've ever imagined or know is there. Okay, that's interesting because Prime really sees it, he saw it as more like an independent world uh, external from yourself but well, what you're saying is, is that is that you kind of make your own reality exactly well that's that's the and thing you, you control you control that reality and that it, yeah but there's also the limitation uh there i mean we're we're all we see ourselves as, as these individuals um we think we're a singular person but actually in the dream world we're we're uh this uh big conglomerate of uh, multiple things we're we're not just one singular thing and it's a, a hard for our brains to comprehend that to go from just being one person to yeah. to being something that's multifaceted on the other side you're a little indefinite cloud yeah it's you know you're you're really you're nothing but you're everything it's it's hard to grasp <laughs> that is yeah that is really hard to grasp um Lucas told me too that you've done like when you were younger that uh, an experiment with an isolation chamber. Yeah, I kind of go uh, into what I, happened. I've there. always been really interested in uh, John Lilly uh, and his works. Um, he he's the one that pioneered the uh, sensory deprivation tank, uh, and basically what it what that is it's a uh, it's kind of like a spa uh, that you uh, lay in you lay in a Epsom salt that's heated to the exact temperature of your body. And the purpose of that is so that you'll float weightless in it, and you can't feel your um, your body. Essentially, it it get rid gets rid of the five senses. You can't feel, smell, uh, see, or t hear, or feel anything in your body because the the uh, salt is the same temperature around you. And basically, what it achieves is what meditation is meant to. Uh, some people say that it takes seven years of meditation to get to a point that of just what a sensory deprivation can do immediately. 
you just lay in there and it automatically wipes away the senses and so but what you're left with is an exact you know an open door to the dream world and that's the advantage of it what did you see did you see anything <coughs> in that experience um it's the thing is when uh, it's it's a state of relaxation as you start to fall asleep um, the the dreams take over for me I, I don't know if it's the same for everybody but i i, I start to there's like things occur around me. Um, pe- people will be talking here in a conversation, and and I can get sucked into that, or or there's something you know. It's like a, uh, it's it's hard to explain. There's several different things occurring, and you just get deeper into that, and it basically you're like mind is kind of does its thing, and you just kind of observe it, and it just kind of uh, plays out. Progresses. What you know what you your experiences your things that are important to you you know dreams essentially yeah. would you say um maybe it was too much too fast in addition to also the substances i mean it's it's hard to fall asleep and john Lilly, his thing was that he took a mushroom psilocybin in the tank and i also experimented with that and uh to me it was a little too much it was it was uh kind of scary <laughs> so it was kind of a real terrifying experience. yeah it was kind of terrifying it was uh, there's a movie called Altered States that yes, kind of um, uh, covers John Lilly's works. Kind of, I don't think they really mention him in the movie, but uh, he, you didn't transform. You didn't transform into an no, ape. No, did I didn't you? transform into an ape. But um, the thing with psilocybin is that it's not a, a drug that you want to take every day. It basically what it does is eliminate your ego, and it turn, and it makes you aware of that multifaceted part of yourself that you're not really aware of usually. And you get these ideas that you would never, ever get. And it's it's a really a form of uh, self-psychoanalysis. And, and it's really intense, and it's not something you want to do all the time. And when you combine that with the sensory deprivation tank, it's it's a little much to Overload. Handle. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Luke told me that you uh, did something to it after you got out of it. What's At, it? After, after the uh, bad experience, the bad trip, what did you do to it? I got rid of it after that. It, um, it, it became too much to keep up with. Uh, put it in the front yard and shot at it? <laughs> oh, yeah, I burned it up. <laughs> <laughs> I built a fire inside so it. So it was that crazy an experience that you felt that you had to kind of purge it in a way? It, it's, you know, it's, I enjoy um, experiencing um, things that you normally don't encounter in day-to-day life. I like to step outside, but I also want to be comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Um, to me, that that was a little too close to like being dead. Uh, well, just like just like the ayahuasca experience that I've been studying recently. Uh, once you get that first bad trip out of the way, they describe it to get easier as it goes along. Each uh, each trip gets easier and easier, and then you yeah. feel more of like a euphoria versus uh, facing all of your demons. Well, I, I could see that psilocybin, I, th- I think, is one of the quickest and easiest ways for, for, uh, for people to uh, come to some uh, level of self-awareness. It, it really it, it forces you to. As we've said before um, on the show, the, um, the ayahuasca experience that we've talked about um, with seeing certain beings is very similar to, uh, say, the like alien abduction experiment experience mm-hmm. for lack of a better word and um, have you ever seen anything like that 
on mushrooms. Your experience? My experience with mushrooms is that um, there's a certain pattern that occurs. Um, if you stare at things that, um, say, like um, a, a carpet that has, uh, like, a, a design in it, uh, anything, it'll, it'll start moving within itself. It's like you see this kind of fabric of creation, and, and the more you stare at it, you'll lose yourself in it. <laughs> and that and that's when the real the trip begins. It's it's um <laughs> you begin to see things that people are not normally going to see. The the thing is you don't know. It, yeah. it depends on your psychology, um where you're at, your emotions, uh, all all kinds of factors. It's hard. Everybody uh, is a little different um but it's usually in pretty intense. But that depends all course how much you take. Well, what would be your most Twofold question here. What would be your most negative experience and what would be your most positive? I took 21 fresh mushrooms one time. Um, Whoa. And fresh mushrooms are a lot more potent than dry mushrooms. Uh, I could not move. I laid on the couch and I could not speak. I was speaking in tongues and I thought I was going to die. And what I was speaking about a moment ago with the patterns, it I didn't have to look at something. The whole wall was doing that. The whole room was just flowing into itself um you you can sit in a chair and it feels like you're turning around and looking in another direction it's just like you've just come out of yourself and it's it's a lot of strange things happen it's you'll think like i said before think things that you would never think before and so and and that leads me to this conclusion about mushrooms that there's like a being like a mushroom being and it just basically like takes over your consciousness and this just directs you, and you're just a, a silent observer. You're just along for the ride. Well, that kind of b- brings into other things we've, we've talked about too. That, um, like a, a scientist would say, that you're when you do something like that, that it's just the chemicals affecting your brain. Right. Uh, the same with some other experience with uh, experiments that have been done with uh, with EMF, mm-hmm. electromagnetic field. Yeah. Um, uh, influencing the brain, right, and people seeing um, gray figures and, and, and such like that. They're right, but other the... would say that. But I look at it as being that, you know, those things are just mediums that are allowing you to is, is tuning your brain into a higher well, we, state, basically. To something we had to realize what else. animates the brain. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the spirit. And, sure. we, and we know that it, uh, they've, they, you can see that with uh, curling photography and uh, all other sorts of advancements, I'm sure. Uh, Could you explain that, curling photography? The, well, I don't know. I guess the, it's named after the gentleman that uh, made this sort of camera that, um, that they can take a picture of people and In see the their, 70s. Uh, see their, uh, an aura around people. Uh, and they know that based on certain emotional states, it turns yeah. colors. It uses an electromagnetic plate. As a, uh, it, it captures the electromagnetic energy in the room, and uh, subjects place their fingertips on top of the pad, which got the best results in uh, yeah. actually viewing their auras. And uh, they had several different test subjects in the first curling experiments, and um, they had a, a loving couple who actually, you know, were in love with each other. And then they had a couple who disliked each other, and the camera actually picked up a difference in the color of aura red for the ones who uh, were angry at each other or whatever and uh, blue or yellow 
I believe, yeah. for the ones that were in love. Well, they can have several different colors. It's uh, there can several combination of emotions. It's um, and I think that has a lot to do with telepathy, uh, as we were speaking with earlier. And in, in the olden times, that people probably were able to see that somehow and kind of just understand pe- people's emotions based on that. Uh, I think dogs have that ability. Uh, they seem to know how our emotional states are. Sure. Uh, like animals are more attuned. To, I think to they the, can see the that, world. Uh, the aura. That's interesting. Let me throw something out at you about, um, as, as you mentioned, the Bible before, um, and the the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. Mm-hmm. And whether you believe that's a metaphor or you believe that that's a, well, that's a literal the thing. thing. The, you know, the Bible's complex because it's so vague. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it um, you can interpret it so many ways. and I mean, there's a literal interpretation. There's, uh, you know... Um, uh, a deeper interpretation uh, the symbol, the, into the symbolism. You know, it means several things, and then it's taken from earlier sources. So you have yeah, to sort that out. It's more complex than people give it get it credit give it credit for. I just it you know, times. it's it's easier just to bypass it. Well, what do you think about the the um, the story in that that uh, the fruit uh, from the tree of was the tree of knowledge mm-hmm. and the, the 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 passage where it says that if you drink it, if you eat it, you shall be as gods. What do you think, as a metaphor, as a metaphor, what do you think that refers to? That's complex. Uh, I, I think the food of the gods uh, is the mana, uh, the white powder gold, what they call it today, orbitally rearranged yeah, monatomic the elements. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the the tree, I think that's uh, alluding to like the tree of life. It's it's like a, a structure. Uh, it's not an actual tree. It's it's a um, Jewish mysticism, it's a Kabbalistic tree of life. Exactly, yeah. and basically what that is referring to is the centers that I mentioned earlier. It's where certain actions uh, occur from that. It's you know it's basically the structure of man of his spiritual body. And Adam and Eve, that I think that that's an allusion to um, uh, the uh, Eridu. Like they were speaking of Zechariah Zitchin and his books, that it was, I think they took that uh, where they, could, from earlier Sumerian sources, where they um, were genetically manipulating. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of, you know, similarity between the Sumerian Babylonian myth and the and the Bible. I think um, the the food of the gods, the uh, orbitally rearranged monatomic elements. I think they're going to play a big part of our future soon and. I think it's slowly coming to terms. People are starting to uh, get into that and learn more about it. It used to be an obscure subject, but I think a lot more people are starting to understand what that is nowadays. Yeah, and uh, you told me once that the whole process of alchemy is to create Orme. Exactly. Well, the thing is that in ancient times, uh, all the gods were eating it, and they had humans to make it for them. And the ones, the few, select few humans that got to eat it were the kings, you know. And it's, this was reserved for the elite. And basically what um, if this does is turn you into a super being, is my understanding of it. I've never took it, uh, the substances, but. How does that, as you mentioned, the elite, how does that, what, what do you think about the New World Order and those Well, basically what, things? what we're talking about here is exotic matter which is the most expensive substance on the planet. 
Hmm. Just I, I forgot the exact amount of what it's worth, but one one bit of dark matter is I know worth millions. I mean, it's like dark matter is actually here on Earth. Right, monatomic gold. Oh, that's is the same as dark matter. That's the, well, where my interest in physics and quantum physics and all that stuff comes in is these people uh, nowadays with this the CERN and all this stuff that they're working with, um, exploding these particles together. They're they're after the building blocks of the universe. They're after uh, the food of the gods and all that. The they're, god particle in the exactly. They're after that stuff. Um, they're they're. I think they've come to. Uh, advancements they're they're slowly letting us know about them because uh, they don't want people to know about them because it's it's some big stuff hmm. um, a couple of the ingredients uh, that I found about orme uh, are extremely hard to get a hold of like uh, rare metals like aluminum and well, rhodithium right. or something Th- like they're that made from precious metals uh, yeah. if, if you've ever read uh, the uh, transcripts from uh, David Hudson's um, um, lectures he talks a lot about uh, the metals it comes from and how it uh, exists in certain um, plants like carrots for instance grapes and I've heard stories just from here uh, locally where uh, herbalist uh, people that had cancer have went to them for a cure and they made them drink a large amount of carrot juice and that it cured them of cancer and just because of these the, just in a small state that them those uh, substances were, were in that. Of course, they would have to be 100% natural, non Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, organic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How does... Uh, how does that affect... I mean, how does that affect humanity? Does Is that something that the only elite would have? And well, that everyone else is just basically... I mean, that's the thing. That was what the whole goal of alchemy was to f- figure out how to make that stuff. Um, yeah. And evidently, um, what I, way I understand is most of the alchemists were also philosophers. They were, you know, big into um, the inner worlds I was just talking about and stuff like that. And it seems to be that um, you had to be at a certain state before you could even produce the stuff. Uh, I don't know how that comes into play exactly, but yeah, alchemy was little more than just chemistry and even in jewish mysticism you'll read uh their books that before you can undertake um the kabbalah and things like that that you had to go through this process of cleansing and and find your uh, spiritual self Um, i think that has a lot to do with it it seems to me like uh enough time in the spirit world and in uh in the dream world and enough advancement, you know, after years and years of uh, self-discipline, that you would be preparing yourself to take the Orme in that in combination with that. Well, See, if you just took it without the preparation. The way you know, I look at the spiritual, it's like everything everybody's ever done is there. Everyone's experience. Anything you want to know, you can know instantly. I mean, anywhere you want to go, anything you want to see. I mean, it's all knowledge is there instantly that you can get to. I mean, what... How can you not figure things out with that? I mean, you can uh, – Aleister Crowley, he uh, they said he could astrally project as a child, that he just had that ability. And he was accused of killing somebody from overseas through his astral body. <laughs> I mean, it's the power that a person could have if they could learn to lucid dream, to astrally project is enormous – and it's no stretch of the imagination to think which you the more powerful you become in that inner world, 
that that won't somehow spill over into the outer world. That's what occult science is pretty much all about. Exactly. That's what they're all after. What uh, What is your views on, uh, we mentioned the Bible before, uh, what are your views on, uh, on, on Jesus, on Christ? Jesus, to me, is basically a symbol of the astral body. Uh, the, it says in the Bible, the only way to God is through Jesus. The only way to higher worlds is through our spirit body. Uh, basically, he's just a symbol of that to me. So you see it as a as a way the uh, the way the Gnostics would have seen it. I would suppose. have seen him. I would say. Yeah, so. yeah. He's just. Um, I, I you know I'm not certain if he ever did exist. I mean, there's a lot of speculation. You know, he, he was very similar to a lot of people that lived before him. His story was. Um, you, you don't know for sure, but basically it doesn't matter. The, the end result is the story uh, and, and the. Uh, the path to enlightenment you know yeah there's a couple of sources that i would say are pretty reliable as far as if you even want to take the gospels out that are pretty reliable that there was someone that existed right i mean uh i don't think that's i don't know if that's debatable but well that that's the thing i mean i mean does it matter today the end the result is 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 are what are we going to get out of that story is it going to help us are we going to find jesus in ourselves um, and to me, it just the Bible just confuses people more than it helps them, because they're in the, they're just trying to figure these stories out, or it, they just take them at face value and don't even try. Could you elaborate on that? How it confuses people? Well, symbolism, um, metaphors, uh, basically what dreams revolve around. I um, mean, it's in depth. Uh, it's it's hard to uh, understand what w- somebody's symbol means to them and try to interpret that and so basically it's you'll have to understand your own symbols to understand somebody else's symbols it's a <laughs> yeah you're trying to put a religious experience on paper yeah basically it's it's hard to interpret and to me that's why it has uh, it has such credibility today because those people those disciples probably um, did the best they've probably been plenty of other people before them that tried to document it but did not do as good of a job and could not relate as well. That's the problem with language. You, you never understand anybody. All the, you can understand is your version. We're all trapped inside our brain with language. And it's it's endless. And the more you try to escape it, the deeper you get. It, it just, just becomes a morass, huh? You just have to stop thinking. Well... <laughs> but what happens when you stop thinking? What, uh, what? Well, you'll either fall asleep, sleep, or you're going into the dream world. Huh. Very interesting. You you, you want to ask Luke? <laughs> it's, it's, it's ponderous in here right now. Might have to edit this section out. <laughs> Gonna come up with some new topics. <laughs> Yeah, I, well, I mean, it's very interesting. Uh, it's yeah. very interesting discussion. Um, Luke was also telling me that you're into like the Eastern philosophy. Uh, I K- studied Kudalini, all that. Yeah, that uh, especially. I, I know uh, you you studied a little bit into uh, Taoism and um, dualism. Oh yeah, uh, Kundalini. I've I've looked at almost every you know culture and their occult beliefs and their systems that I could get my hands on too, 
and I tried to like pick and choose what I liked, what seemed to work the best out of most of them. And the thing is with these other cultures that we're just so far removed from them that it's really hard to uh, work that into your lifestyle and uh, make it a part of you just because, you know, you just you just really don't have a, a connection with it. Yeah, you weren't born in that culture. Exactly. So. It's, but, you, you know, there's definitely a lot of knowledge in those systems. Um, find your center and realign your cheek. <laughs> You're really harshing my mellow right now. <laughs> Panflute West lessons are next Wednesday. I, oh, yes. Just need to <laughs> skip the meditation and build a debt tank. <laughs> get, your, uh, get your Peruvian flute <laughs> CDs. Lemongrass. <laughs> but, um, you know, I've, I've always, you know, just like he was talking about, I've always thought it was a, a very good way to uh, acquire knowledge um, about religion and, and your own set of spiritual beliefs by going around to all the cultures and at, at first, you know, doing a little bit of studying for, for each one, you know, yeah. Buddhism, Taoism, just going around Hinduism, all of them, and just reading even just a little bit of it and picking up things that, will help you uh, make a final decision instead of just sticking to one, you know. Yeah, being open-minded is very important. Right. Well, it leads me, um, Luke was mentioning things about um, about a belief that you have in duality. Hmm. And uh, you kind of explain what well, you that's the that? Jekyll and Hyde. It's everybody's good and evil separated into two parts that can't communicate. And as I mentioned, the reason we can't communicate is because they speak different languages. Um, I, the only <laughs> way to overcome that is to... That is interesting. I mean, do you believe in a in an ultimate good and an ultimate evil? Or do you see that, that it's the lines are blurred? It, it, that, that's a difficult subject. See, you get into the God concept and all that and good and evil. It's To me, you need to keep it simple. Don't try to understand things that we can't comprehend or... Don't hold uh, strong opinions about things you can't fully comprehend because that's what keeps you from having an open mind. I mean, we can never understand God. Uh, that's impossible for us. I mean, it's just out of our range. Um, so it, it's hard to say. I, don't, I really don't know. But I, I would like to think that God is not some singular person or being. It's like a, a force. Um, it's, it's like everything. Sure. Um, yeah. and, and to think that God is cares about certain small things that are very important to us is just it's, it's really naive <laughs> to me it is <laughs> so you wouldn't say that god has an influence in our lives so to speak of course i mean it's um I w everything to me is god uh, sure every thought every action everything every physical so it's item. It, it is a part of everything it's you know it's the our breath it's and it's everything that animates everything and it's it's, it is the universe. <laughs> Do you believe that there are um, good entities and uh, bad entities? I do, definitely. Yeah, I, I believe in, uh, in the realm of angels of and demons, and I think that has um, its counterpart here in the physical world through thoughts and emotions. Uh, I think essentially what thoughts and emotions are on the, uh, the, other, the inner world is basically angels and demons. That's what they are. I mean, it's all... It's we've got our own inner world, and all this is playing out there. Yeah, there's a war within us. So, so we, in a sense, create our own angels and our own demons. 
but that's the way I look at it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's the right way. And, that's and just while uh, <laughs> that may be the uh, recessive reality for us, like the dream world, that could be another dimensions of prime reality. You know that that could be our physical world, the world that we're sitting in right now, could be the angels and demons. Uh, dream world you know reversed on each other if that makes sense yeah <laughs> the best way yeah, I, can I think that makes sense <laughs> yeah i think that makes sense um yeah trying to figure out where to go <laughs> <laughs> help me out here Luke. well you, we, we could talk about active valor for the next 30 minutes <laughs> you no thank you these uh, mind control things basically what they're trying to do is uh, get people influenced by demons uh, and, and the way they're doing it is that forcing them into these emotional situations, and like through torture and. Okay. I yeah. mean that's, uh, to me that's what they're doing. That's they're 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 creating that in them. I, I think there's a lot of that going on right now. I think. Um, oh yeah, definitely. The, the things that we've been seeing over the last month with the guy, as we mentioned last week, with the guy eating the other guy's face in Miami. Yeah, that's right. Uh, there was one that was really weird that happened. And actually, this happened, uh, you remember the Gabrielle Giffords shooting oh, yeah. last year uh, when she was wounded? In the same parking lot, uh, there was a guy that was actually a professor at the same school that uh, the guy, Gerald Lofter, who shot Giffords, that he went to. He's actually, a, I think he's a professor or some kind of assistant professor. And he's sitting there in the parking lot and he's rocking back and forth saying we are the ones that have been chosen or something like that oh, yeah. i'd have to look at look at look it back up exactly what he was saying but he's just sitting there rocking he, he he wasn't you know being violent towards anyone but just very strange and it, it makes me think like well first of all what's going on at that school um because i i do believe that these people can be used for you know, assassinations. Oh, like yeah, definitely. Control assassin. I think through history there's been yeah, lots of that going on. For sure. On. I, um, and I think a, a lot of things now, uh, in that topic you just mentioned, I, I think that was purposely probably created for gun control. Uh, as we've seen, yeah. this, uh, these administrations, they're, they're, just, they're after guns. Well, I, I think there was a little more to it. Um, you know, Arizona was this – was is was really and still is really at odds with the federal government. Um, one of the reasons being the immigration law that they had passed, yeah. and all of a sudden, you know, this happens, and there's some speculation that uh, Lofter wasn't even after Giffords; he's probably after the judge. Is that right? That hmm. was a, a federal judge at the state level there, and he actually was the one who got sh that was killed. Um. And that you know she was just a bystander and someone that got got hit in the crossfire, uh, but you know then again she had been uh, kind of against some of the things that the federal government was saying about Arizona. Mm -hmm. So there, there's there's so many things there, and I, I think too you know like the uh, the Virginia Tech shooting um, that supposedly that is one of the center for real. Psych, some real psychological uh, experiments. There, there's going a lot on. of those that, that you have to really look at and wonder that. Yeah, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, um, how to say, like an academic. If these guys are getting money in these psychology departments to mess with people's brains, 
<laughs> and I mean, you 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 can see it going on, like you said. I mean, it's it's bringing well, up like the worst uh, well, of people well, possible. It's amazing to me that they've they can indoctrinate the youth so well. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I don't think they even need uh, they even need to do that. Uh, just all the images on television and uh, you know the, the 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 food that they eat. And yeah, these, it's these kids that are being put uh, on no these struggle. ridiculous <laughs> drugs like Adderall and Prozac. <laughs> They're already brain dead. Just need to push yeah, them over. Kind of generations growing up with, with that. But that's my soapbox for the night. <laughs> oh, what do you see as like the uh, the? Is there a control system that's being put into place for people to not access these? Access like access their true potential. Oh yeah, definitely, of course. <laughs> yeah, what do you see as what? like the, yeah, what do you see what, as what part exactly of the control? Yeah. The, well, it's, well I'll start the, with this. Um, the main moral of that movie chronicles is that if we had this power, uh, that we would probably just destroy ourselves with it. Yeah, because I've I've seen that movie. Have you seen um, it, Luke? Yes. And, and that's the thing. I mean, it's it's not going to become available to you because the, these kind of things. It's not something you're going to do after you get off work for a few hours every night. It's it's a lifelong commitment. The chronicle basically in the movie these three kids find. Um, these three teenagers, they find this mysterious ship or something. Uh, it's a, a, it's a, a hole, hole in the ground. Yeah. yeah, it's a hole in the ground, and they are uh, drunk at a party. They go down into the hole. They find this stone. They touch the stone, and all get nosebleeds and psychic powers. And Yeah, and, and one of the kids, and, and, and it's actually kind of from his point of view, uh, because he's the one that's basically filming it, right. is uh, uh, you feel sorry for, for him because he – you know he's abused. Uh, his father, his mother is sick uh, and dying, and he's abused uh, by his alcoholic father. So you feel sorry for him. But as time progresses, you see that just how he becomes so corrupted by this power that he has, mm. oh, where he believes that he's a different um, that's the ego. species. That basically. is exactly what keeps us from that power. Is our egos. So it would be pretty dangerous to. As we stand right now, oh yeah, definitely. We access the, these the, things. The ego to me is Satan. That yeah. that you know that's that is our biggest problem in our lives. That's every day. That is what we're we face. We're at war within our, our own selves against ourselves. We're, that interesting. That that's 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 kind of it, a it's it's our personalities. It gets in the way of everything. Wow. It it's basically you take all this that's in this other world and you put it through this tiny little filter that's our ego and that's all you get it's just this little small fraction so human nature messes it up in the end oh yeah emphysema of the soul <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to put it <laughs> I like that is that your soul is that your funk album uh, title Luke uh, funk is that supposed to like be the cure metal. man that's, that's the cure call the doctor <laughs> ow <laughs> but what do you see uh, i mean how is the control i mean is it is it chemical is it mental physical all the things that are going on because oh, luke and i talk about all that yeah a definitely. lot of chemical he's really into talking <laughs> that, about chemical it's the main subject of our conversations uh 90 of the time it's safe to assume that they're attacking you every way they can through every food you eat the air you breathe the 
shows you watch, uh, through culture in general, through fads, you know, music, uh, everything. Absolutely yeah. everything. Who I got to ask the million dollar question here, and Luke's gonna laugh at this, but who would you say they are? They? Yeah. Hmm. That's hard to say exactly. I would think it would be the people that have the biggest interest um, and and have the most money, the the most capital, uh, the the biggest thing to uh, to achieve from making people subservient. I mean, it's it to me, it's the richest of the rich, and they're trying to um, set it, set the future up for themselves, maybe their kids, so that there's no way we can ever. Um, overtake them. It, elitist, elitist royal families and their desire for a pure bloodline. We have th- that that would have access to the monatomic gold. Exactly. And these things that would uh, that instead of they would take it for everybody, so that they're an elite and elect basically. Mm-hmm. And um, it, if it indeed does what uh, it's claimed to do and makes people live hundreds of years, I mean it's it wouldn't take very long for all of us that are against that to die off and they could keep on yeah. going. <laughs> do you think that, uh, do you think that that is, um, do you think that that, that there's like suppressed technologies that uh, they would oh, have? Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, no doubt. I have no doubt there's suppressed technologies. I mean, you look at that, there's, you hear stories, they, they have to slowly give it to people. Um, so they yeah. can of course make money off of you. You have to buy the new laptop, the new s- cell phone and, mm-hmm. It's just uh, it's a, a capitalistic process. Hmm. Uh, it's greed, I think, uh, in that respect more than just wanting to keep it from people. Proof of that yeah. is just going to the U.S. patent website and just researching some of these patent numbers that are questionable. It's invention after invention that you don't see in everyday life. But yeah, that you're probably never going to see. Right. You might see in 30 years. The, the something like zero point energy exists. Yeah. Orgone. Orgone. Yeah. Get your, <laughs> get your orgone hat, Luke. Oh, Welch. <laughs> orgone accumulator hat. Orgone, right. accumula- yeah. orgone yeah. accumulator hat. I still haven't bought one yet. I've been looking into it. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get a big, uh, big what is it, a big triangle on top of your head or something? Yeah, yeah that and, and uh, the complimentary <laughs> cloud burster you put in your yard. Sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, William Reich. I I think you know after reading a little bit of William Reich stuff, the antenna is on top of the temples in Cambodia, and uh, I don't even know where else because I'm not that great at geography. But the but the antennas with the discs, the seven discs, you know, represent the chakras or whatever. Right. Those are probably orgone accumulators. I mean, would well, I be too far off? That's the, exactly what they are. That's what I was talking about earlier. The centers, they're basically energy accumulators yeah and if you can get all of those lined up that's the super superhuman state well you know tesla you know wanted to broadcast energy from huge towers i mean literally electricity i mean of course you know we have something similar with cell phone towers but they you know they broadcast not a right they don't they're not creating sound. energy yeah. but instead we have all of these clunky um these clunky, uh, like, 
obsolete power poles lines. and stuff like yeah, that. Tesla was an which, interesting character. Yeah, you, you mentioned ancient civilizations. I mean, uh, do you feel that there was like an like a, a highly advanced civilization at oh, one point? Oh, of course, yeah. Well, I, like I said, if you're um, can access that inner world, there's no kind of anything standing in your way, uh, the way I see it. And then people uh, of ancient civilizations, I believe they were in contact with advanced beings. They could have actually been here physically on Earth. Who knows? But either way, they they were getting information that they, uh, you know, no, wouldn't be accessing otherwise. What What do you think happened to a civilization like that? What happened to like the Egyptians? Or well, I mean, lack of a better term, like Atlantis or such, something like that. Um, I what I what I understand is that Earth goes through pole shifts um, over so many thousands of years. Um, I, I guess that is what had happened to Atlantis. Uh, and I, there, I know there's talk of that might have been a result of some kind of weaponry that they had or something that stimulated that. But um, we know that by looking at fossils that the Earth's going to have another pole shift. Maybe, you know, we're overdue for it. It could happen any day. And basically what that means is the magnetic field will drop and the Earth's, I mean, the sun's rays will basically cook everything. Yeah. How do you interpret, I mean, um they say something like uh, like prophecy, like the book of Revelations or Nostradamus or something like that. How do you interpret some, something like that? The prophecies? Or, yeah. Are you like, um, talking about end times? End times, yeah. Uh, I, I, it all seems to correlate w- with, uh, with the uh, pole shift. Um, the things in the Bible uh, talks about, um, you know, the, the fire, the sky turning red and all these things, they seem to be like symbols of what actually will occur, you know, and we know has, has occurred before, as it will happen again. The, when that Earth's magnetic field drops and the sun heats the Earth, the inner core will expand outward and it will have super volcanoes and stuff and the continents will break apart. Uh, it'll shift areas that are like sunny now. It'll have holes in them and it'll just instantly frozen. I mean, it's just complete change uh, and uh, my understanding is that had occurred uh, in the history of man and we lived through it um, and so I guess we will again but it's just basically a reset it's uh, a concept called rewilding um, it's it's part of um, anarcho-primitism that our civilization is going to revert back and then comes back and we're never going to get back. back to the pure state uh, like we're at, we're, we're never gonna going to choose to s- not think or mm. choose not to speak and and supposedly advance ourselves. It's it's going to be forced upon us. I mean, it's it's inevitable. Forced upon us by something like a pole shift or by some other right entity. A pole shift. Well, I I don't know if there's some sort of advanced weaponry that could create a pole shift. I don't know that. Yeah. That's I, I assume possible. I don't know. Hmm. I, I, there's, you know, they think uh, the planet Nibiru, or however you pronounce Nibiru. it, yeah. is supposed to uh, come back around, and maybe that might cause a pole the shift. Gravitational pull because yeah. it's on a different uh, axis, and supposedly. Many think that it's somewhere out there, and we just can't see it yet. But I, I don't see that. Yeah, I, I don't really buy into that either. I, I, yeah, I, I tend to look at it myself. as that, like a inner world. Uh, 
an inner situation more than a physical. Right. Being as part of mythology as it is. <laughs> Do you buy into the 2012 predictions? But that's interesting because uh, way I understand it that um, all the plants are going to align uh, at that date that the mines predicted. I don't know if that's the case or not, but that's the way I've understood that all the planets were going to basically be in one line through our yeah. galaxy. And if that's the case, that that may somehow cause something to happen. Um, it's hard to say, really. Yeah. I, I personally think we'll all still be here. I do, too. I yeah. mean, it's, it's like Y2K all over again. Right. <laughs> and there was something in, in, in 2000, there was a an astronomical alignment. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's more of a like a, the new age heralding the coming of a new age. Right. Uh, you, one time you were studying uh, the powers of mass consciousness. Do you have any like specific examples uh, that were tested, laboratory tests or anything like that from the mass consciousness and its like persuasion on the real world? No. Um. My understanding of mass consciousness is basically that uh, the, the understanding of the subconscious is, is how you affect people, um, manipulate their minds subliminally. Um, you can get people off toward one direction, not by actually even telling them what to do, just by planting these little seeds and making them think that they come up with it, you know, and... and to me, that seems to be the easiest way to manipulate people. You don't go to somebody and tell them that you want them to do this. They're not going to do it. You have to manipulate their mind, make them think that they're doing it on their own. Yeah, make them think that they're doing you a favor or that you're And that that's where the mass life. consciousness, yeah. you bring that on a large scale um, through propaganda, uh, you know, the media machine, things like that. It's They plant these little seeds and let them grow. Right. And the reason I asked that is because, uh, you know, there's been all kinds of threats for our end times, you know, in the past couple of decades. How many times has that occurred? You know, the end of the world is near. Well, and, last uh, year. Well, I think it's it happened twice. It's, this is this part of this self-defeatism we're all locked into. We all are like obsessed with our own self-destruction self-destruction. I mean, it's just like the ultimate talk topic to us because it's unknown. We don't. Most of us don't know what was going to happen when we die, and I mean, it's just uh, something we're obsessed with. You could say, from a psychological standpoint, that when times get harder, as they have, um, you know, in 2008 with the financial crisis and then the recession, you know, people really you started seeing it a lot more. Yeah. Uh, that, that that stuff has always kind of been there in the background, but you started seeing more of the end times uh, craziness come out. Um, I, I don't necessarily, you know, I, I believe personally there's something to it, but, you know, just leaving myself and my own beliefs out of it, you know, people, as they tend to lose hope, they tend to put hope into something else. Right. And uh, like you saw with the whole Harold Camping debacle last year, people selling all their, you know, their all, all their items and uh, giving away their life savings and preparing for the end. Drinking the Kool-Aid. And that uh, that was it. And <laughs> the thing is, they wanted to drink it. They wanted to drink that Kool-Aid. Yep. And when it didn't happen, as most of the world said, well, it's not going to, 
the I, I, I believe he's just trying to, you know, all the talk of 2012 that had been going on for so long that he wanted to say, oh, it's going to happen in 2011. <laughs> <laughs> the self-destructive behavior uh, is encouraged by society and brainwashing through all of these outlets because – they want you to defeat yourself. Yeah, you you fill up the prisons, you fill up the graveyards, you're out of their way, safe exactly. and sound. <laughs> yeah, you listen to more gangster rap, you can fill up the prison. Right? <laughs> hey, uh, why don't you talk about that a little bit? Uh, well, it's something that I saw, I heard on another podcast, and something that I read, and uh, it's basically from a uh, someone that r- remained anonymous, but he was purported to be said that he was a big wig in the music industry in the early 90s and he'd gone to a meeting um, and at first he didn't know with other people from the music industry and at first he didn't know who they were meeting with and they were meeting with uh, representatives of the private prison industry in the United States Hmm. and they talked to these music industry guys and they said well, we'd like you to really push this gangster rap stuff, you know. Right. Uh, you know, that had kind of, kind of come out organically, but we really want you to push it, and we really, you, you know, just sign more artists to do this gangster rap stuff because <laughs> it will encor- encourage this lifestyle of criminality, and it'll fill our prisons. And that was basically the, the gist of it. Oh, and it's... And he left the meeting feeling extremely uncomfortable. And then uh, quit the music industry maybe about a year later. And he, then he began, began to see that they went from basically like this kind of rap, like Public Enemy and Run DMC, to the more like Snoop Doggy Dog and right. Dr. Dre and all these different gangster rap elements that were in it there. did it did take a, a sudden shift yeah and it's right and, 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 and it happens right after this you, meeting. you went from a big clock to a glock right, right yeah. <laughs> nice nice analogy so, so this they managed to brain but pretty much brainwash people um even though the elements of of people committing these type of crimes because they really in these communities really had no hope anyway, but it made that lifestyle glamorous. Oh, it and is. You, and you see, sad. yeah, and you see kind of the same thing still going on, really. Um, and then, pants down, you know, around the knees, and you know, it's uh, they don't, you know, put good role models out there. No. Uh, no, they they're don't. not giving you the the names of people that are, you know, actually worth looking up to. And I think they do this all the time. Uh, I you really have do. To, you have to seek those people out and do some research. Of course, your brother over here really likes Jersey Shore, Travis. So, you know. <laughs> I, I don't like it that much, but I mean, it is entertaining. I'll, I'll admit. <laughs> I'll admit. With nothing else to do. Well, Jersey Shore. <laughs> I'd have to disagree. I, uh, I I really find it funny in this uh, podcast where we talk about such deep things. We actually said the words Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, and Jersey Shore in the space of about like five you, minutes. 
You can be spiritual still listen to Snoop Dogg, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, you're not going to de- deny yourself junk food if you're on a diet every once in a while, or you're just going to just drop your yeah, diet altogether I mean, I have my and start craving guilty junk Guilty pleasures myself, so, you know, I can't, uh, celebrity ghost stories would probably be mine. <laughs> ghost Adventures? Nah, I don't watch Ghost Adventures. <laughs> That's your favorite show, don't lie. <laughs> oh, I love Zach Baggins, man. It's like these guys go in and, and uh, get off the gym and go ghost hunting. Jim <laughs> Tan ghost hunting. <laughs> but, uh, Travis, we want to thank you for coming on, man. You've been Thanks for an having awesome me. guest. I appreciate um, it. Some pretty interesting views. Um, Luke, do you have anything you want to add about it? Um what what some of the topics you covered? To, uh, uh, what about some books? Recommend maybe some yeah. books. Uh, like I some think I, I books? mentioned it all. Um, most of the books I read are about alchemy and, and you know things dealing with the inner world. Um, uh, one of the pivotal books uh, is the one I mentioned, to Julian Jaynes, the the origin of consciousness and the breakdown of the bicameral mind. That's a, a real cornerstone of the understanding of uh, ancient cultures, how they understand, understood the world and gives us a model we could achieve to reach again. Um, a Secret of the Golden Flower, uh, that's a really good book about alchemy. Um, it's hard to come up with a bunch of books, but uh, those are two of the main ones. Right. Uh, the Fourth Way, that's a very advanced system of self-awareness. Uh, if people aren't familiar with it... We have to have you back on, Travis. I think there's a Love lot. Love to. We, we really just don't even scratch the surface. Yeah, got a lot um, to say. Very interesting ideas, especially about language. That's that's for the. Well, the there's nothing come I, I come this. up with. It's uh, a lot of people have uh, been after that for a long time. Have you thought about writing your own material, writing your own book? You know, it's I really just kind of took a bunch of elements from a lot of different sources yeah. and just kind of mixed together with my own little. Uh, that's, for the most part, what authors do anyway is, is uh, make sure. their make I their own so. assumptions. I I think if I would write a book, it's is to uh, convince everybody that they need to try to be schizophrenic. <laughs> <laughs> you think out. that would sell? Go hang sell? out the psych ward for a while. <laughs> go hang out with call out. Cody go hang out with the people uh, that see God. Yeah, go hang out with him. Turn into cat heads. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, do that as a soundbite, man, for, you know, turn into cat heads. <laughs> Make an introduction. Well, um, I just want to say in closing that uh, this has been very interesting. Um, I think I've gotten a lot out of it. I think Luke has, too. Yeah. I don't know about Chris, but <laughs> silent partner over here. But uh, I want to thank you for coming on, Travis. Thanks us. again for having me. And uh, Luke for bringing you over. And... Uh, just a couple of things. Um, we are now number 123 in, on Podomatic. And uh, we got a good boost there with uh, Micah Hanks. We hope that any last week, and we hope that anybody that has heard us uh, don't think we're, doesn't think we're too crazy <laughs> and too off the wall. But uh, we're trying to have... Yeah. Give uh, us suggestions, please. Yeah. Send us suggestions. And you can send that to uh, conspiranormal at gmail.com. C-O-N-S-P-I-R-I-N-O-R-M-A-L. Chris think ha- about it. Chris hates the spelling. <laughs> and like us on Facebook, the same spelling. Um, but we want to thank everybody for listening. Is there anything you want to add, Luke? Uh, 
We want to do an Alex Jones scream off or not? Well, I guess we could do an Alex Jones scream off. <laughs> what, what was it today? Uh, oh, oh. The what was he talking about? Feminist uh, making men sit down to Feminist pee. Feminist want to make men sit. Want to make them sit down to pee. I refuse to be a nation of men who sit to pee. <laughs> Absolutely refuse. I'm I won't do right it. Now. They're trying to take my guns and tell me I can't stand them to pee. Ah! Ah, Black pyramids! Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 